All right. Good morning. Wow. A lot of beautiful people here. And others are coming, I guarantee. The first mention of the church, not in, not in term, but in substance, is in Genesis. And uh, it's in Genesis when Jacob is on his journey and he sleeps one night. And when he sleeps, he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees angels ascending and descending. And then he, he hears the voice of the father giving him the promise that his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac received. And then he wakes up in the morning and he says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than what? The house of God and the gate of heaven. And that right within that picture is the explanation of what this is supposed to be. In the natural, it's a building. In the natural, it's a gathering place. But what it's meant to be is the place where angels ascend and descend. It's the access point between heaven and earth. It's the place where we can call it the house of God because there's a presence, there's, a, there's an abiding, there's a habitation. But also, it's, it's not just a house, it's a gate. Because it's not big enough to be the whole house, it's just the access point. It's just the vestibule, you know, the front hallway, the mudroom of heaven. The first access point between heaven and earth. But more than that, it goes on, and it's the place where you hear the voice of God. It's the place where God reiterates to you purpose. He reiterates to you destiny, calling, future. The promise of God is given and reemphasized in that place, where at the gate of heaven, in the house of God, where angels ascend and descend. But, and here's the, the other part, Jacob didn't know how that thing was created because it's not the only place. It's not the only place where that is meant to happen. But clearly it was happening there. And here's what Jesus said about that. He said, from this time forward, you're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Why? Because I am a gate of heaven. Wherever I am, I open the heavens. Wherever I walk, I create that access point between heaven and earth. So he's saying, listen, wherever you gather, I am there with you. Why? Because when you gather, you are creating the portal between heaven and earth. You are creating an access point so what's in heaven can come down to earth. That's what church really is. That's why he's saying, I'm looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. Because it's not just a matter of people gathering together that believe. If you don't worship in spirit and truth, then that vital thing that makes it church, that makes it the habitation of God, that makes it the gate of heaven, doesn't happen. And you've got buildings all over the world that have house of God in the front. They're called Bethel or this or that. You know, Bethel is the, is the word for house in Hebrew. But there's none of the ascending and descending. There's no presence. There's no prophetic promise in the room. And so God is saying, where are the worshipers who worship in spirit and truth? Because with them, I'm going to build these portals between heaven and earth, all over the earth. And it's going to be my church. The house of God, the gate of heaven. That's what we are. And then collectively, corporately, we become this, uh, this expression of an open door. So let's stand up together. Let's determine right now, Lord, we are going to worship you in spirit and in truth. Because we know our nation needs as many portals as possible. We need as many angels descending and ascending as can be. We need as many open doors where the promise of God is shouted over our nation. We need as many of these as is possible in this land. 
We need as many places as possible where people come in and say, wow, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And we are the ones who are deliberately creating the connection, but there's others that need to come in and have that experience. And here's my hope. What if that opening could be so wide, so great, that even people passing through, people staying in the hotel at night, who stop here in Spruce Grove and suddenly begin to have visions and dreams of Jesus and begin to see angels while they're sleeping in the Holiday Inn and in the Ramada or whatever, and they begin to say, what is it about this place? Every time I come through Spruce Grove, Stony Plain, Parkland County, I begin to believe that maybe there is a God, that maybe there is a promise, that maybe we didn't accidentally happen. What is that? That's the knowledge of God. Becoming self-evident where we don't have to say, know the Lord, but be healed. The knowledge of God will start to be prevalent, outpoured in our city. Because the glory of the Lord is already evident in creation, but the minds, the, the minds of the unbelievers are blinded. But the spirit of revelation poured out by a people who worship in spirit and truth make it possible for that, that revelation to come to them. This is what we're doing this for. Not just so we can have a clearer experience, but so that the world will know. So that the world will know. So that the world will know that he is alive and he is here. So we worship you today, God. We worship you today. We say, you are the light. You are the life. You are the resurrection. You are the truth. Ho! I just want to encourage you to uh, to respond to the Spirit of God. Uh, so earlier, Jackie came to me and said, I see us in this, this lower place, but there's a plateau just ahead, and it's higher, and uh, we're ca- being called to move into it, and I see all kinds of movement there, all kinds of activity there. And, uh, and as we begin to ascend, you could feel that movement begin to enter the room. And I saw the beginning of angels ascending and descending. And I, I closed my eyes. I had my eyes closed. And I said, Lord, show me the kinds of angels that are responding. What, what are you sending into the room? And suddenly I saw one of the girls spinning here. And, I, and again, I just confirmed there's a response of activity. And this is the thing. If we're going to be people who are led by the Spirit, sometimes we're waiting for this moment. We're in the grocery store, and we and the God says, go lay hands on that crippled person. He said, listen, I'm not going to take you into a moment like that and have you respond to the wind of the Spirit like that if you can't respond in the simplest ways, in the safest environment. This is the safest environment, and this is the simplest place to respond to the Holy Spirit. So let's respond right now, even if it's just moving your body or your hands, but there's something to be apprehended. There's something to be entered into. Lord, we love your Holy Spirit. We love Holy Spirit. We love the administration of heaven. We love the activity of angels moving through the earth at the command of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we bless your name. We bless your name. We want to declare that you are Lord. You are Lord. I want to remind us of of what this is about. Now, if you don't know these scriptures, look them up, meditate on them, think about them. But in Romans 8, the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are what? Sons of God. Sons of God. Sons of God. Now, what is that contrast against? The contrast is Jesus came into a culture where people read the Scripture all the time. We're always looking to go to the synagogue and do what's right. I mean, they paid explicit attention to doing everything in the book. 
everything. And uh, as far as the culture around was concerned, these guys that were doing this were doing it correctly, and they were the best, and people wanted to be them. And Jesus came, and he, he modeled something else. In fact, he went on so far as to say, this version of this thing that is being done right now is dead. It's dead. It's a form without substance. You Pharisees, he said, you are full of dead men's bones. You're full of death on the inside. You look good on the outside, but there's no substance to what you are. And what he's saying is then, what he said then is what he's saying right now. He said, listen, the focus is not on behavior. The focus is on the source of right behavior. If you start getting the source right, the behavior will begin to materialize. If you start from the outside and work your way in, you're going to get something that looks like but is not. And so he says, these are the children of God. This is what I'm looking to create. People that are led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. People who respond to the Spirit. And what we have this morning is we have a training time and an opportunity to do that. Now, here's what I'm seeing coming, and this is why this is so important. I was just talking to, to Wendy and a couple others on the deck this, this, this weekend about this very thing, is that there is coming a blowing. There is coming a wind of the Spirit that, that will, will take some and take them to places and push them to, to regions they've never been. I mean, they can't even imagine. Dimensions of spirit activity, healing, signs and wonders. I mean, revelation. I mean, activity that would just, I mean, just shock you. But he's only taking those that respond to that wind. When that wind comes and blows, okay, if you have, if you have habitually resisted that wind, okay, when it's a small wind, when it's a big wind, what are you going to do? You're going to still resist it. You're going to still do what you've always done. And so we were given time after time after time after time opportunities to respond to the Spirit. But what are the things in between us and that response? Fear, unbelief, uh, personal comfort, preferences. And I, I kept seeing this story from uh, the Big Bang Theory where Sheldon wants to learn how to act. And so he goes to this girl who's an actress and says, I want you to give me acting lessons. And she said, okay, well, first we need to, we need to you know, loosen up. So you know, we're going to do this exercise. Just, you know, move your body anyway. There's no wrong way to do this. Just, just begin. And she's going. And she's doing it, and all of a sudden she realizes he's not moving. And, and, and she says, what are you doing? And he said, well, you said to move in a way that makes me feel comfortable. This is what makes me feel comfortable. Now, obviously, he missed the whole idea. And the whole idea is there, is there is a resistance in us to move in certain ways. And so we're practicing responding to, to move in all kinds of different ways so that when we want to move that way, we're not against, there's not all this, this bunch of resistance there. You know, when you're training dancers to dance, you know, you know and they're doing these movements and everything, they're, they're actually, not only are they building muscle tone and strength, but they're building the ease of response so that between the desire to respond and the ability to respond, there's not a huge gap. Okay, because you have the desire to respond and the ability to respond. Okay, that's what we have spiritually. We have a desire to respond. But the question is, do we have an ability to respond? The ability to respond comes by responding. By responding, you have to do it. You have to respond to the spirit of God. And so we have that story, which I shared before, about this guy in Egypt. And uh, uh, he's got a tremendous ministry all over the world anyway. And he, uh, uh, he's a spiritual father to, to David Demian and some others. And, and he, David asked him, okay, when, when, like, how did this start? And he said, I believe it started really this time. I was in my house one day, 
And the Spirit of God came on me very strongly. And the Spirit of God said, go out the door. And, or get up out of your bed and go out and go, go walk out the door. So he did. And the Holy Spirit said, turn right and walk this way. And he began to walk down this way. And he's, you know, there's this amazing presence of the Lord. I mean, this, the Spirit of God is clearly speaking. And he's thinking, man, this must be an activity of high significant purpose. And so he's walking. He says, okay, turn left here. And he, he turns left here and he, and he walks down further. And the Holy Spirit says, turn right, turn left. And finally he comes back and he realizes he's coming back towards his house. And he comes back to his house, and the Holy Spirit says, now turn in and uh, go back to bed. And he's like, uh, well, what was all that about? He said, he said, if you can't do it when it doesn't matter, you're not going to do it when it does matter. And if you want me to use you for an important, critical thing in a Kairos moment, I can't have you delaying or deciding whether that's a good day for you to respond or not. I'm not going to give you that kind of responsibility that's going to impact people's lives or cities or be a, a key part of the kingdom of God being revealed on the earth if when the moment comes, when the Kairos moment comes, you've got to decide whether you're comfortable with that particular expression. But I'm tired. I'm this. I'm that. Well... See, this is what God is training us. We want, we want, oh God, use me. Use me. I'm trying. I mean, I want to use you right now to usher in my presence. I want to use you right now to laud my name, to exalt me, to create. You know, well, but I want to be a part of significant moments. And here's what the Spirit of God is trying to say. Sons of God, daughters of God, you can create significant moments by your obedience, by your worship in spirit and in truth. And that's why I said, I am looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. I'm looking, I'm actively looking for those who are responsive to me. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, I, I pray that we would realize the Kairos moment that we are approaching as the church, as the people of God. Oh, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, give us the capacity right now. I was thinking about this yesterday, and I'm seeing this wind coming, and this wind is so immense, and it's going to create such an acceleration and such a, but it, it takes an abandonment to go with that wind. Uh, and it reminded me this morning of, of um, Eddie the Eagle. Remember Eddie the Eagle at the Montreal or uh, Calgary Olympics? Now, he's doing the long jump, right? And he's got a great story to him. But it was interesting watching him sort of do that jump. And I realized the, the, the fear that you must get over to actually catch the wind. And I mean, you know, you if you if you jump and you don't actually lean over to that place where you think you're going to fall flat on your face, I mean, it's absolutely scary to do that because not only are you high, you're going fast. But the how far you get launched is dependent upon how you posture yourself and ride the wind. And if you don't have the courage. To, to really give it all, if you're hesitant, if you pull back, if you're too straight up, well, you're going right down. And how far you go depends on whether you can grab the wind in that moment. See, Jesus said this way, he said, he said, the wind blows where it wills. And no one can tell where it comes from or where it goes. And what did he say? So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You remember that? Actually, some of your versions, I think, might say, so is some of them that are born of the Spirit. No, that's wrong. Good one, good one. That's wrong. It doesn't say some of them. All of them. So is, say it together, everyone. Everyone. So is, so are you part of that everyone? Okay, so then, if you are born of the Spirit, how many of you are born of the Spirit here? Okay, a number of you, that's good. So, according to Jesus, according to Paul, all right, you should be being led by the Spirit, 
if you're a son of God, and according to Jesus, you should be like the wind. You should be, re- that, means, that means the wind turns like this, you should have the capacity to turn like that, not like, well, you know, I just don't feel like worshiping today. Well, you know, I know that person probably needs the gospel right now, but what do they think of me if, if I say that? And they might, might not like me if I tell them I'm, you know, I'm a Christian. And what if they don't believe? And what if they hate me after that? And, well, I don't know if I want to pray for that person because, you know, and, oh, what, help that person? I don't have that much money, Lord. You want me to give them 20 bucks? I'm not sure. Get thee behind me, Satan. Right? All of these things, they're not the same as the inability to move physically in response to the Spirit in worship, but they are equally hindrances, an inability to respond in some way or another. And we all have it. We all have it. Some of us have an ease of responding one way versus another way. Okay, And some of that is, is actually a dimension of grace that's in your life and even a ministry that you have. And that's great. But this is, the, this is the part. It does not excuse us for not responding in the simplest ways. The, 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 character, the criteria for the sons of God, the children of God, is that they're like the wind responding to the Spirit. They are led by the Spirit. Well, I think that's kind of a, you know, it's just sort of a a generic idea, you know, in your general life, you have the Spirit, and, you know, from time to time, the evidence of the Spirit will materialize, but it's not really that specific. I think that's what some of us believe. And the reason why it's not that specific is because we have not responded specifically. God is saying, listen, I want to train you to respond because I want you, your whole life, to be a manifestation of my spirit. I want you to be a manifestation of my spirit. Here's the, here's the, the beautiful thing about this is that the wind is about to blow like it's never blown before. And there are there is a generation, a lot of young people. I, I mean, I'm seeing 28, 30-year-olds who are who have this innate capacity to respond to the Spirit of God. And when they begin to function, man, just things, boom. Uh, the kingdom of God materializes around them. And you think, wow, oh, I wish I had that ministry. What if it's not a ministry? What if it's, a, what if it's a, an obedience to respond? What if it's a capacity that was built in them because... Because when the moment came when they were, this feels comfortable. Even though the Bible says, shout to the Lord, clap your hands, make a joyful noise, jump, dance, sing, speak. Does the Bible say any of those things? You know, of course, it says right afterwards, when, I, when I'm good and ready, when, when, you're, when you feel like it. Just hold on one second. The... God is saying, listen, I have this this capacity, this responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not become, you know, Benny Hinn or, you know, whoever you think is the greatest world-renowned missionary. That's not the point. The point is there is lethargy in your being spiritually that keeps you from responding. And as you get older, as you get older, the ability to break through those those things becomes less and less. You, you just, you lose the ability. In fact, it's, it's kind of like how you, you see old people getting, losing the ability for movement at all. They just get restricted and, 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 and increasingly restricted. That's not what I want in my future. I, I'm saying to God, God, I'm 55 years old. I want to run with the 28-year-olds and the 30-year-olds and, the and this younger generation because there's something coming to them. Now, you think, well, I, but I wasn't raised in the same generation. Da, da, da. That's true. But here's the thing is that if you do what you can do, God will cause what you can't do to come to your life. 
I know, I've seen all my life, I've seen an older generation who have that pliability and that youthfulness and that joy and that capacity to, to, to be in spirit meetings and not be bothered. And yet other people who are religious and all caked down and all kind of, I'm not sure I like this. And they, you, know, you know what I mean? And I think, but they're the same generation. Why is one so different from the other? Right now, right here, the, what I'm talking about. We think, well, yeah, I'll never be one of them. Who said? How, can you, how will you ensure you'll never be one of them? I mean, I remember deciding that I was never going to get out of shape like this 35-year-old guy I was playing on the outdoor rink with. And then life happened. And next thing you know, I'm the guy, and these little 16-year-olds are running around me. Well, what happened? I stopped exercising and working out and playing hockey. And I lost the ability to stay current. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to say is I'm now doing right now what Mark's talking about. It's terrifying while Mark's talking for me to come up and interrupt. Even though Mark said, I trust you, come up. So right now I'm actually in front of you doing that. So, but I feel like Mark said it like three times and I'm like, Jenna, I think I got to interrupt Mark. Oh. And then anyways, here we are. What does that look like when that moment happens and you're pushed, like if, if a bigger wind is coming and we're not responding to the smaller wind, then who cares if the bigger wind's coming because you're going to miss it. That is, the, that is the scary reality of what Mark's saying. So we can't actually get excited when Mark says, a bigger wind's coming, and we're like, yeah. But honestly, if 70% of us can't respond when it's, don't get excited, you're going to miss it. So this is terrifying. So I want to give you an example in my life of where, like, why, why does Ben operate the way he does in his life? Why is real estate blah, blah, blah? Because there are tiny unseen moments where the Spirit of God has challenged me in the most embarrassing ways, even like me coming up here right now, and I saw myself interrupting him, and I, it's, it could be the worst thing. He'd be, Ben, sit down. I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, that could happen. To stand up there is this overcoming of self in so many ways. So I'll give you a moment here. This is maybe a year ago, and the Lord's reminding of this when Mark's saying it. I was sitting over there, maybe with a group of 10 people that I know and that I love, and we're praying in a circle, and someone's playing some music that kind of sounds like boom, kaboom, kaboom, kind of like that. And I don't dance. Like, I can't dance. I will dance, but I can't dance. Jenna, true? I look like the Grinch on, like, on, like, like, pills that make you sleepy. Okay, that's what I look like when I dance. And I know that. And I'm talented at many things in my life. And I make them look good. I know I don't make that look good. And yet, as I'm sitting there in that circle, um, and the music's going, I see very, very clearly a movement. I could draw it for you. I could. It's so clear to me. And the Lord goes, I want you to make that movement. And the thing is, he wasn't saying, I want you to make it your style. So if it's like a <clears throat> movement, like, see, even like that, I look goofy. But even if it's like that, I can't not make it goofy. But even if it's like that, he's like, I don't want you to get up and be like. And so he's like, don't get up unless you're going to try. He didn't care if I made it look exactly, but if I tried my best to do that, which was going to look goofy, guaranteed. And so I'm in a group of people, 10 people that I know and that I love, that I've walked with my whole life. And here's what happened. I'm Shondriyada Kiyandriyada Bababababriyada. Here's the picture. Bariyada Kiyandriyada. Now do it. And I literally hear him. He goes, I don't want you to speak in tongues anymore. No, I don't care. Right now your worship means nothing to me. Are you going to do what I showed you? And everything inside of me is in front of everybody I love. I can't do it. I'm going to look so stupid. Okay, these are our moments in our life. This is what that wind looks like. That's it. You're not going to catch the bigger wind unless when those moments come, 
You respond to the Lord. And I'm sorry to say it so harshly, but that is the truth and the reality. You cannot get excited about the greater movement and wind of the Spirit if you haven't come in line with the lesser wind when he brings it to you. And the goodest, the goodest, the best thing about the Lord is he will not bring to you a wind that you can't come in line with. You can trust that he's good and the level and the measure of the wind that he brings to you is the level that you can come in line with that, okay? So that's the cool thing about it. So back to this, I'm sitting there and I, I can't speak in tongues. I can't pretend to worship him. And for about four minutes, I am wrestling. And I've heard him in my life. From the age of 17, I chose to trust him. And I made decisions for at least 10 years or 12, 13 that I trust him. And yet here is the hardest decision of my life right now in this moment and he, don't sing to me. Don't worship me. Just do what I want you to do. Now, and I'm struggling. And as I'm struggling, here's the next scary moment. And this is for all of us here. He goes, if you, and this is why I need to say this. If you can't do this right now in the next minute, I can't trust you in seconds to speak a word of truth in a boardroom with 10 of the most powerful people on the planet. And I know that sounds very lofty, but that's what I heard. If I can't trust you here to move your body in front of people you love, you can't, you can't and won't, and, it was, and I won't trust you to do that. And so, and that has nothing to do with his love. That's just reality. And so in that moment, and so basically just black and white, do you want what I have for you or don't you? There's no waiting on the Lord there as far as we think what waiting is. Ah, oh, he'll just, no, you have to make a decision and do it. So in that, I'm like, well, how can I not do this? I want everything that you have for me. I want to speak a word that breaks the heart of a world leader that then shifts and breaks a whole other nation. It happens in here on this natural plane. And so I then watch, it's like I'm now beside myself and it's that psycho moment. And I experience it in skateboarding all the time. It's why I love skateboarding. You have this psycho moment where you feel yourself getting up off the chair but you're like beside yourself, like, dude, what are you doing? And then yourself is like, I don't know, I'm just getting up. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then you both meet right here and you start moving. The moment, it actually it didn't even matter about the movement. The moment my muscles tightened to get up off of that chair, the moment that decision was made, I want, and really all you're saying is, I want you. This is the manifestation on this planet, on this earth, in real time, I'm a pile of matter. I want you. I have tightened my muscles. I have gotten, and now I'm just going to start moving. And from there, you, that's it. Go back to bed. Now, what are all the, what are all the things inside of us that would, would be against that? Have you ever been in a meeting and there are these weird people there? as well as, you know, stable Christians. You know, the flaky ones. Have you noticed the disposition growing in you to not look like the, one of the flaky ones? You know what that means? That means your behavior becomes defined by the flaky ones. What you, what you become willing to do or unwilling to do is defined by the ones who are off. Now think about that. Uh, is that being led by the Spirit? Well, no. You actually are creating a resistance to a particular response in, in your life based on the fear of looking like that. And so when, so the Holy Spirit cannot even lead you to do that because he would have to come over you with such power to get you to do the thing he does not, you know, he's, you're not willing to do, that, that if you do, see, why is that important? Because to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. We say, well, God, you know, come over, give me this visitation on this quantum level, and then I'll know it's you. Here's the thing. Your readiness to obey me at the level of the visitation you want is not there. And if you resist me and I visit you on that level, there's a price to be paid for disobedience there. And that's what we see in Israel. 
when, when, when God manifested himself at the level he did in their midst, we think, oh, if only God would do that. Yeah, but the cost of disobedience was 400 years of slavery. The cost of disobedience was so immense. What about Ananias and Sapphira, right? Oh, I just can't wait, you know, till the Holy Spirit's poured out like Acts 2. It's going to be so amazing. Yeah, but you don't realize the things you do out of turn constantly today. If that environment comes and you are part of that and you continue to do and to live and to not respond as you did before, there's a cost to that. So it's like, ah. How does this happen? It happens in secret little in, un, insignificant meetings, insignificant moments where God says, do this. Now, why do, why do athletes stretch? Why do athletes stretch? To overcome impedances. You know, their muscles get tight, their joints lose flexibility. Old people are supposed to do a lot of stretching. I should do more stretching. I, I need to do more stretching, but I, I don't like stretching. I find it boring. I, I, I'd rather just go and play tennis, and I, the idea of stretching, that's for really old people. But yet professional athletes do that. Why? Because, because the more times I stretch that or move that muscle, that joint in that, in that way, the, the more capacity I've given to that muscle and that joint to move that way. Similarly, the guy's saying, listen, I want you to be led by the Spirit. And so you have to practice being led by the Spirit. But what so often trumps is, Lord, I want to be sure it's you more than I'm willing to humble myself and do it wrong or do it out of turn or, or, or. So in other words, I'm putting the onus on you to prove to me that this is important enough for me to move. Uh, I mean, think about that. I, I, God, I want you. Oh, do you want me to give that person $10? Okay, give me a sign. Give me a sign. <laughs> give him the $10. Right? What have you lost if you haven't? You know, $10. Big deal. Unless it's a big deal. So, let me backtrack. It's a spiritual kingdom. The sons and daughters are led by the Spirit. When we are born again, our spirit becomes alive, becomes one with His Spirit in order that that sink is there so we can respond to him. And the training is particularly difficult in responding to ways the Spirit wants us to respond that we are not disposed to to respond. One of the easiest places to start this is with your mouth. Your mouth. How many of you want to be spirit-led? Don't show me your hands, but think about this. Do you want to be spirit-led? Do you want to be spirit-led? It starts with your mouth before it starts with anything. That is the easiest place to respond. And that's why praying in tongues is so important. And I, I share this again and again and again. He that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. When you pray in an unknown tongue, you are, you are getting the life of God flowing into you. Well, I, I can also get that if I go to a conference with a big-name speaker and the band is really rocking, I can get a moment like that. Okay, so that's great. If you only get that moment every once every two years, once a, you know three times a year, uh, but you need daily bread. What is your daily bread? Well, you know, I sometimes go to church and the word pastor sometimes gives me a decent word, and that's. But here's the thing: you are sons and daughters. You're supposed to be eating this manna daily. And when you pray in an unknown tongue, there's several things that are happening. You are changing the orientation from your preferences, your soul, how you feel, to that one place that is spirit. Because when you pray in an unknown tongue, your spirit prays, but your understanding is unfruitful. Why is that hard? Because ah, 
I don't like it. I don't know what I'm doing when my understanding's unfruitful. That's the point. That's the point, is, is there's some, the mind loves to control. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, said the, we've been delivered from the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the mind. The lusts of the mind is the mind wants to understand. I wanna, this world that I'm going, if I understand it, then I feel comfortable going to it. But God is saying, listen, you need to do everything by faith. You need to, you need to go into worlds by obedience and by faith. When you pray in an unknown tongue, your understanding is unfruitful. How long can you do that before you have to come back for air? And by air, I mean come back to what my mind is comfortable with. Is there a tension? Well, you know, right about the time, right about, you guys are praying in tongues for like 20 minutes, and I'm like, oh, can we do something else? What is that? You are experiencing the pull you're actually wrestling for what will have dominion over you, your understanding or your spirit. Why is this important? Because later on, when the Spirit of God says, do so, you feel that urgency in your spirit to do something, if the mind is in control, the mind needs 10 good reasons why we should do that. But if the Spirit's in control, you just respond. You just do it. Every significant man of God I have known credits breakthroughs in their life, significant moments to, to, to that willingness that when the Holy Spirit speaks, they just, they just yes, I'll do that. Because I know that's the Spirit of God. Well, I'm not sure it's the Spirit of God. Then respond to him in the ways that are least costly, that are at least consistent with the Word of God. Do you believe? Speak. 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 I you think, why are we talking about this again? Why why would because it's grade one. Okay? You can't go to grade two, grade three, grade four, grade five, grade six. But I love the university stuff. Yeah, but if you don't, if you can't do grade one. You may be familiar with university, but you will never do that. And we've got a church filled with people who have a form of knowledge, who are familiar with all the stuff. They can sit back and they can critique and tell you who's doing it right, who's doing the best, and where's the doctoral divide between this and that, but they can't do any of it, or very little of it, or the spirit stuff. Oh, they're, they're increasingly becoming like Pharisees, critics. They know who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong, but they can't do it themselves. Why is it? Because you gotta, you got to start by speaking. Open our mouths. So when, when, the, when, when, when we're together corporately and we're singing, when I, when I call people together, I say, let's pray in tongues for 20 minutes. Why? Well, because you actually are, are something's happening that your understanding doesn't understand. I'm not sure if that's true. Well, then you will stay where you are until you are sure it's true. And if you don't respond to the Spirit, you will never be sure it's true. I am 55 years old. I don't, we don't have time for this. I have watched. When I was a young Christian, I, I saw these older Christians who were stale and critical and nasty. And, and I, you know, just, I mean, they did some of the things right. You know, they were, they were faithful going to church and paying their tithes. But their life was, was depleted of spirit. And I thought, what's wrong with them? They're so crusty. I'll never be like that. And the Lord said, yeah. If you don't deal with this, you will be like that. If you don't respond now, you will be like that. Decide now. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to obey fear? Are you going to obey pride? Are you going to be that person? Well, I don't want to act like that because, you know, uh, a bunch of weird people did that once, and I don't want to be associated with the weird people. Can you see all the impulses that try to lead your life and define your journey and tell you what you should look like? Spirit-led. The sons of God are spirit-led. 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 Well, how do I, uh, how do I increase the knowledge that that's the spirit versus the flesh. By doing the one thing 
that's easiest. What's the one thing you can do in the spirit at will? Pray in tongues. Well, uh, isn't there something else? No. There's nothing else you can do with the same level of assurance that, that can't be done uh, in a mimicking way. You can't legitimately pray in tongues in a language you don't know, in the language of other nations or angels. You can't do that in the flesh. Because the whole thing from start to finish is born of the Spirit. So that one thing, that one thing of all the obedience you can do, all the thing, well, I would rather give food to the, to the, to the, to the, to the hungry. Okay, we'll do that, but don't do it instead of, because you can do that in the flesh. But when you pray in the Spirit, your spirit prays. You're being edified. You're being built up. Something is growing in you and starting to gain authority in your being. Starting, that's, you're starting to build along the, the plumb line of God when you do that. There's a reason Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. He discovered that when I do this, and that's why he taught all this, I edify myself. I feel charged up. When I pray in tongues for, for 45 minutes or an hour, I, I, oh, wow, I've launched into something. I felt something. I, I, I'm starting to hear God more clearly. I'm, I'm experiencing realms of the Spirit. You know, uh, we sit back and we listen to speakers. Oh, it would be, it would be so great to have an experience like that. That experience that they had that was like, you know, an angel came or whatever, it was built on thousands of responses of obedience. I'm going to live my life oriented around your spirit. I'm going to honor the leading of your spirit. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave the natural. I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, put any stake in all the other things I think I can do. I'm going to do the one thing that I know builds your spirit in my life. Seems simple enough, right? Why is there so much resistance? Because all of the warfare against you and against your future, against your destiny, is focused on this one issue. The divide between spirit and flesh. This one issue is the defining issue for whether we will be sons of God in our lifestyle or whether we will not. This one thing, that decision, I, and again, there are people coming up in the ranks of the body of Christ. They're going to astound us. And I don't want to be the one in the room that's like, this is great, but I can't really participate in it. There's... There, there's a scripture in John when John is talking about being born again with Nicodemus. Do you remember this? And he says this. He says, whoever is born... Actually, let's, let's turn to that because you, you need to read that. I had a bunch of other scriptures and I don't know if Chris still has something to say today. Yeah? We were going to go back and forth and we've been going back but not forth. But in John, chapter 3, I believe it is, in verse 3, it says, Most assuredly I say, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, did he say the same thing twice or did he say two different things? Well, nobody's answering. He's like, I'm not sure. He said two different things. All right. He said two distinctly different things. He said there is a capacity to see the kingdom and there's a capacity to what? Enter the kingdom. 
Seeing has, has to do with acknowledging. Ah, there's the kingdom, there's the kingdom, there's the kingdom. Entering has to do with engaging with the kingdom. Responsiveness. See, the Bible uh, is uh, Christ right there, right there. And the next verse is, is pivotal, right? The next verse is the one I quote most often. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Because the kingdom of God has to be born of the spirit. But people who are, who are sympathetic with the flesh cannot birth the things of the spirit because they're disposed towards the natural. And they don't see the value of the spirit. They, they see the value of activity, feeding the poor, you know, going, doing good deeds and everything, measurable activity that I can see and say, hey, this is good and it feels good to me. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And this kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. How do you engage with the spiritual kingdom? It's not just poetic language that's given there. These, this is God's how-to for the kingdom of God. And he said, listen, I've already, if you're born again, your spirit is alive with the spirit of God. You, there's transfer taking place all the time. But also on the mental level, your mind's being stimulated with thoughts and, and emotionally you go in and the music feels good and you're, you're responding emotionally. But the, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual are very different. Your spirit responding to God's spirit is the only thing that really matters. It's the foundational stone for everything else. So... There's going to be, when the wind blow, begins to blow, and it's already starting to blow, and people start moving at a spiritual pace that, that is higher and higher, you're going you, to be one of two people. You can engage with that at the level that's happening, or you can watch it happen. If you're born again, you will be able to see it happen. You'll be able to appreciate it. You'll be able to be in the room and say, this is really great. But you can't take it with you. You can't go to the street and embody that thing because you can't enter or engage with that thing. You can only see it when it happens, say, this is God. Two totally different classes of believers. I had a, an awakening some time ago. I had this speaker in on my television show. And at the time, I honestly thought, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty much the same. And he started, we're talking, and what he's talking about, I understand in my natural mind, okay? But he starts talking about and going into some things, and I feel the pace of his anointing gearing up. And I start to realize, even though I understand the words he's speaking, I can't catch up. I can't keep up. My show. And I start to think, how do I slow this down? And I, I'm literally, I'm, I'm feeling out of my element. I'm, I've never had that happen on my show. I'm feeling out of my element on my show. And God, and actually, the Lord is saying, I'm just trying to show you that there is a pace way beyond what you know. Do you want to be left behind? Or do you want to know how to move at that speed? He said, Lord, I want to know how to move at that speed. That was a shot over the bow for me, for God to say, listen, you've got a great ministry, you've done some great things, but there's so much coming way beyond what you know. Are you happy enough with what you've, the way I've used you, and do you want to go into the sunset with what you've got, or do you want to run with the horses? You're, not gonna, you're still saved. I still love you. You're still my son, my daughter, but... In terms of being significant to the manifestation of the kingdom of God in this moment, you choose where you want to be. Not by, oh yeah, I really like that. By your obedience, by actually what you do. So the, I want to break through the lethargy. I want to break through the resistance. I want to break through, you know, whatever in me that doesn't want to move and honestly, I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking at the nitty-gritty of things. I'm looking at the, the tiny little 
resentments that might come up emotionally in a meeting or with somebody and have an encounter. I am putting the microscope to the, that thing and, you know, the magnifying glass and saying, okay, what is that? That did not feel. And I'm saying I need to eliminate all of these things because the sum total of what I permit in my life in the area of flesh is what I'm not pressing through. And, and when it comes time to catch the wind, those things will be drag on my life. And so is that legalism? No, it isn't legalism. I want to run with God. I want to, I want to run with the Spirit of God. I want to flow. I don't want nothing in my life to hinder me from responding to His Spirit. See, what we discover is how useful we are in the kingdom of God is far more mechanical and deliberate than we thought it was. We, you know, I used to think, well, there's some element of random here. You know, that guy, he was married to the right person, right family. You know, he got a, the break at the right time. That's why he's got that, that sphere and that influence and that capacity to move people that way. And You know, if I had those breaks, I would have that too. I've stopped believing that. And I'm owning my destiny and saying, no, nobody's, Nobody else can hold me back other than what I permit. Well, I was just thinking about, um, you know, we've done heroes in our community now. If you guys aren't familiar with it, we've been in the schools for, you know, seven or eight years, which, let's be honest, we really shouldn't be in the schools. Uh, when you look at culture today, when you look at what's going on, uh, it doesn't make sense for a program that has a Christian undertone to be in the schools and to have a Christian community leading it, right? It makes absolutely zero sense. In fact, I would think most uh, people in political realms and even in the education realms would want that to stop. You know, that's kind of the way it's going right now, and uh, there is a real push to see this kind of stuff end. But for some reason, we've had the favor to stay in it, in the midst of all of this. And uh, like what Mark's saying, I remember seasons of uh, praying and interceding. And just listening to the Holy Spirit and hearing a word from the Spirit of God. And there were days where you doubted that that was ever going to come to fruition, right? But when you hear the voice of the Lord and he begins to speak with you, and it's just like Mark's saying, because this is a bigger area, right? Getting into the schools, trying to get into the education realm, that was a bigger area, but there were smaller steps he wanted us to take. And the first one was call the city of Spruce Grove. Go for a coffee with this person. I don't even know that person. Why do I feel like I need to take him for a coffee? Because the Spirit said so. Can you take him for a coffee? And can you do that for the next six months to a year with no agenda attached to it? Can you just do that? I mean, I spent one year going for coffee with a girl that was in this church, right, from FCSS. And all we did is we talked about the community. We talked about the needs in the community. And as relationship was built, all of a sudden that vision came forth. It was presented. And guess what? They said yes. Why did they say yes? Because it was born of the Spirit. Now, I can honestly say to you, I've done a lot of things that weren't. As youth pastor, I was sitting there thinking, and I started laughing at myself because I remember thinking I could build our youth group up. Maybe if there's a big fad, sorry, I got to backtrack. There's a big fad, and it was, remember that show on TV called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Remember that one? Who watched it? Everybody watched it at one point in time, and I knew that, and I thought to myself, I'm going to create a vent at youth, and I'm going to do the millionaire thing, and I'm going to get a whole bunch of money and prizes, and I'm going to get all these kids, and we're going to build it up and all this stuff. You know, it worked twice. Everybody came out, but let me tell you something. It died, and it went flat. Why did it die and it not work? It was never born of the Spirit. It was just a stupid good idea. And I was moved because I was watching the show on TV. And in all honesty, it was a waste of our time and it was a waste of our money. And so, again, there are things that we do that are often not born of the Spirit. And there are things that we know are. I know when they are and they aren't. I know when it's me often. Right? I don't know. Maybe you can touch on that because maybe not everybody does. And maybe there's a good message in that too, right, that we can learn Right? But in all honesty, I feel there's so much to this. The team in Cambodia did this great little illustration so many times in the schools. And all they did is they brought this bucket into the schools and just a simple thing. And they put these rocks 
on top of each other rocks, right? Is that, am I doing this right? It was rocks on rocks building a house, right? And then they'd pour water on it when they'd build this little rock house, of course, on a rock, and it wouldn't go down. And then they would build it on the sand, and you'd watch it fall apart. That's the reality of when we do anything that's not born of the Spirit, right? It's going to falter and fall down, right? We have a new season upon us as a church. And I talked about this about three weeks ago when we were in Cambodia. And I feel one of the greatest things that's going to happen again in our nation is we're going to see evangelism rise. We're going to see outreach rise. We're going to see communities shifted. We're going to see people get saved again, and we're going to see salvation again. But it doesn't start by just doing the programs we used to do. It has to be a movement of the Spirit of God. We have to yield to that Spirit, and we have to ask Him, what is the strategy and what is the plan? But when He tells us to act, we have a responsibility. It's to do it. We may not want to, but we're called to do it. Right? It's reality. Amen. Amen. You know, there's, there's, there's so much to this. And the reason why Jesus said it the way he said it is because he was itemizing the macro principles of the kingdom of God. He was, he was giving, you know, the, 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 the greatest, most significant rules, laws of the kingdom of God when he, when he gave us these things. And so... What's born of God overcomes the world. When we do things in response, we do things in response to the obedience of the Spirit of God, it overcomes the world. That means nothing can stop That means it. nothing can stop it. And that's why it. we're in the scrolls. And that's why we're in the scrolls. Because there was this obedience because to wait there was on this God. Obedience to wait I remember when he came back and he was oh, I want to do this. I want to shape the community. I want to touch the community. And he had all these ideas of what to do. I said, yeah. just be. Just be. And then, sure enough, you know, and, and again, at the moment, you don't know whether this is super significant, but the, the impulse, call. Just begin to reach out. Don't plan anything. Don't do anything. Just begin to reach out. Well, that ability to do that and to do it with confidence was based on the fact that other times he'd done things and discovered it wasn't the Spirit. And they'd done other things and discovered it was the Spirit. That's the foundation in your life where God is showing you, this is me and this is you. This is you wanting to be great, and this is me being great through you. And there's a lot of us wanting to be great. A lot of us wanting to be take shortcuts. Well, okay, what do we do in this church? Okay, let me see. Hmm. Lift my hands, that's what we do. Okay, let's do that. I, you know, I love people lifting their hands, but is it, do we do that to fit in? Oh, here we are. You know, people thinking I'm not worshiping. I bet. What is God doing in you? He's saying, listen, I want you to be led by my spirit. This thing out of obedience, this thing, not doing this thing at this time out of obedience. It all factors in. So, where do we go from here? Where do we go, Lord? I'm not talking about in the service. I'm talking about in our lives. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to listen to my words as I pray. And as I say these things, and some of them you agree with, like, that's, that's true. I want you to, in your own words, just whisper that same thing or something like it to the Lord. Holy Spirit, you came into my life and you revealed yourself to me. Holy Spirit, you came and you caused me to be born again. Holy Spirit, you took me separated from you, separated from life, separated from truth while I was in darkness, and you brought me into the light, the only thing that could change my person and my destiny. You did that, Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit, you caused me to be born again. I couldn't do that with my willpower. I couldn't do that with my flesh. There's nothing I could do to create that connection with your spirit. You did that. I want to say now, Holy Spirit, I want to continue in your ways. I want to follow you. I want to see your mind, your abilities released in and around me. Holy Spirit, do what you can do in this life. Do what you can do in this life. And if that means deal, working with alcoholics or, or going to nations or doing missions, or if that just means cutting lawns and, and, uh, and putting in, doing construction or building my business and giving to the king, whatever it is, Lord, I want it to be born of the Spirit. I want to live by the Spirit. I want to be in a place where I can not only see the Spirit of God move in the rooms, move in my town, move in this world, but I want to be one who can engage at the pace that the Holy Spirit is presently moving. Holy Spirit, I don't want to fall behind. Ah, I want to be useful. Holy Spirit, teach me. Just say that to him. Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit. I have no words to, I'm shifting now. I have no words to explain this, but Friday morning, I began to see a dimension of a Holy Spirit activity coming, an administration. It was, it was engulfing the earth. It was coming with such tangibility. And uh, it was so sure in its movement. And I, I, my heart cried out, God, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I don't want to just be a Christian in name and in belief. I want to be one who enters. Thank you, Holy Spirit.